Well, I didn't put ice on mine because I'm right. smart. Oh, <laughs> I was kidding. Smart. <laughs> this is my thousandth podcast. Come on, guys. Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka the Raj Nation. I am your show's host, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Martin McGovern, aka Marty McFly. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help us all better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. In this episode, we sit down with Aaron Fajulak. Aaron is the co-founder of Designation Labs, a full-time immersive career accelerator focused on teaching students design thinking, design principles, everything you could possibly imagine if you want to learn design. We sit down with Aaron and talk about something that is very near and dear to his heart based on a personal experience he had, and that is the concept of putting yourself first. So specifically, we ask the question, how do you put yourself first? Before diving into the episode, I want to give you a quick reminder. Head over to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. It's our brand new website for this show and enter your email address, join our tribe of amazing people. You will never miss an episode of this show, as well as all the other cool stuff that we share. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation with Aaron Fajulak of Designation Labs, asking the question, how do you put yourself first? Let's listen in. Ever since I kind of launched into the entrepreneurial um, lifestyle, you know, going through different various startups, I've always focused on the entrepreneur being and coming last. And somewhere along the line, that became very detrimental to my health, personal, physical. Um, so at some point, you you know, you need to put your employees and your stakeholders first. But at some point, you also need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I happy? Am I healthy? You mean we're all not Superman? We can't just do it all? No, you really can get drained. Um over just a short period of time. I mean, I ended up in a, in a hospital situation where I was actually physically exhausted and couldn't wake up in the morning and push myself out of bed. So (laughs) if the question is when you should, uh, (laughs) when you should put yourself first, that was hospital. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So explain that a little bit more then. Like, can you just, um, talk through the story of, I guess, what even got you to the point of being in a hospital bed? Sure. So, um, there hit a point where our uh, our company was going to go out of business in, in about two months. So we were going to wow. run out of cash. And um, I made an offer to the CEO at the time to you know pay off his family and friends. We were completely bootstrapped and take the company um, and try to push through that, that cash flow issue. So um, it was a team of four of us, everyone working, you know, 100-hour weeks. I'm dealing with a founder dispute, so we, we ha- we're going through litigation, um, the buyout of the CEO, making sure that we have students coming through. It's, our taxes are due in April. 
this is in March. I'm doing our tax return because I have an accounting background. It could save us enough money to buy us another half month of cash flow. And I was juggling so many things at once. And so was our entire team that at one point I couldn't even, I couldn't sleep even if I wanted to. And um, after two weeks of pretty much no sleep, I went to wake up one morning and I fell to the ground and I couldn't believe that I couldn't, I couldn't push myself off the ground. And my roommate who uh, works downtown himself, I called to him, got in the car and we went to the hospital and I had to get, you know, fluids and IVs uh, all hooked, you know, hooked up to me. So that was the point where I was like, I need to, you know, A, make a change um, how I'm working. Um, and, you know, if we have the money to hire people to help. And uh, that turned out to be the right decision. So when you got to that point of physical exhaustion and having to go to the hospital, obviously that's a wake up moment. But could you feel that coming on? Or did you think during that process of being so embedded in it that I think you said it was two weeks? Did you feel like I'm really coming up against my own edge here? You know, I, I think I was so delirious and so sleep deprived that I didn't even notice. I mean, there was so much stress going on that my well-being was the last thing I was thinking about. Um, so, yeah, that that would be my answer. So, that, And part of me thought that that's what you might respond with that. And, that, and I think this whole idea of putting yourself first, the reason why it's even a topic is because you're like, you're in a situation right there, like where you're not thinking about yourself at all. And I, and I think this happens so much more often to people who are inherently selfless um, and who have more of like a caretaker mentality. Like, let me, let me care for the pack before I care for myself. Let me, it's like the opposite of the emergency instructions on an airplane. Buckle or do your flotation device before the person no, next to you. No, your air first. So you don't pass out. Or yeah, your air first before. And like every time I see that, I'm like, I know if I were traveling with my mom, like she would, she would reach and like put my air mask on before her own. Yeah. And it's 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 having that like no no everyone else like women and children first and then me type of mindset right. Yep. It's interesting, too, because most people, when they think about getting into entrepreneurship, well, maybe not most, but a lot of people that I've talked to, they're like, I want to get into it so I can be in control of things and so that I can take care of myself and like work the hours I want to work or the whole, like, I just don't want to work for anyone else. I want to be my own boss, which, of course, we all know is kind of like BS. But, <laughs> um, but it is interesting how a lot of people get into entrepreneurship thinking, I get to make my own hours and, and really take care of myself in this, in this world. But that's not the reality of it. The reality of it is you never sleep and you constantly work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, maybe people aren't, when you go into it, if you don't have the right mindset, you're not even preparing yourself for that situation. Well, and I think, I think to an extent you have some control. Like obviously like there are situations like Aaron, what you came across where you were up against either do whatever you can or the business dies and that's a do whatever it takes you have to embrace that do whatever it takes mentality yeah. or the business will die um but i do think in some instances you do have a, a degree of control just more in the sense of like you're gonna work probably more hours than you would have otherwise but it's almost like you decide what hours in in the 24 hours of a day it's like in a lot of cases you can choose what when those 24 hours take place like you may have a boss at a company who's like, oh, you have to be in it every day at 8 a.m. Now, as an entrepreneur, let's let's say in that that uh, 
employed version, it's like you're working, say, nine, 10 hour days. As an entrepreneur, there's a lot of instances where you're working 16 hour days. And usually that means like an early, earlier wake up, maybe starting work at six or 7 a.m. or even earlier than that. But I, I know there are people too who like, like Daniel from Rich 20 something, like he doesn't have his team start until like noon, but then they work until like 8 p.m. and they work on weekends too. Uh, and he's kind of like always on, even if he's not technically sitting down and working. So there is the degree of control. I think it's, it's more of like a misperception mis of what the schedule actually is. It's not that you have zero control. It's just that you have to realize that your your brain is never not working. I think that's what I'm trying to get to. Your brain is never not working in the entrepreneur uh, mindset. I mean, I would agree. I think people go into um, startups and entrepreneurship for different reasons. I mean, some people do want control over, you know, the decisions in the company. And a lot of times it's important if you're building a product and you have a vision. Um, you know, for me, the exciting part for me is is that hourly thing where you're still, you're still working 70, you know, 80 hour weeks, but when do you do it is up to you. So when Chicago's summer, you know, the first great day where the weather breaks i'm leaving work because i can <laughs> and i'm gonna go enjoy it and that and that's one of the moments where like i'm walking around like along uh lakeshore drive and i'm just taking it in i'm like i can do this because it's you know this is my schedule yes i'm gonna be at work saturday but right now i get to walk out of the office and report to you know no one except for you know my team yeah is, do you remember, Martin, there was that, I don't remember what, it was like probably like three, four years ago. We were like, who are these people who just like are walking around midday? And then like, we were those people. Yeah, I still, <laughs> I still wonder. I'm like, are you a student? Are you a tourist? Are you unemployed? Or are you an entrepreneur? <laughs> yeah. Um, something that I'm kind of actually going through right now in this concept of figuring out my own schedule is... I'm in the process of building a consulting practice while also trying to carve my own as a yoga instructor too. And that's an interesting balance in its own because I went into it thinking, you know, like if I were just taught like a 10 a.m. or like a noon class on you know any given weekday, that'd be fine. I could do my stuff before and do my stuff after consulting wise, like whether it's having to do emails or whatever, have to go to a client and it'd be fine. But then I had a day a couple weeks ago where I taught a noon class and the entire day was unproductive and the class I taught, I just felt like I sucked so hard at actually teaching yoga. And what I kind of saw was that, well, if I plant teaching a yoga class in the middle of the day, it's not just that hour of teaching. It's like, first off, you got to get there a half hour before to the studio, and then you got to stay a little bit after, and maybe you want to shower after because you get sweaty while teaching. And so all in all, it's... And, and then let's say the half hour before you get there, depending on where I am physically, I may need to take another 15, 20, 30 minutes just to get to the studio. So it's like two hours if you can include travel plus teaching the class. And then maybe a little bit after to travel back to wherever I need to go. So now we're creeping up onto like three hours potentially for having to teach that one midday noon class. And what I found was that consulting practice wise, I couldn't get into a groove 
because it was like, well, I know I can only do this for the next like 90 minutes. So I'm not like, I can't get into like a deep work or a flow state and then coming off it. It's like, I'm a little exhausted from teaching that class. And now it's now it's getting closer to the end of the day. So I can't really do anything. And it's a lot of like browser clicking uh, to fool myself into thinking that I'm actually doing work when I'm not. Uh, and not only that, but the class I taught itself, I just wasn't a good class. And I realized not only am I not able to get into that flow state on the consulting side of things, if I plant a yoga class, teaching a class in the middle of the day, but on top of that, there's a complete shift in mindset I have to have to get into yoga teaching mode. And I'm not able to successfully do that if I try to teach a midday class. And coming out of that, I was like, okay, well now I know moving forward, I want, I just want to take, uh, or I want to only put on my schedule teaching early morning or end of day or, like, or night classes and anything middle of the day. Like if someone needs a sub sometime and I'm the only one who can do it, I'll go for that. But it's not beneficiary. It's not beneficial to me and what I'm trying to accomplish to plant that in the middle of the day. And so much of the idea, you know, just continue on what we were saying with controlling the hours and everything is getting a grip on like, what the hell is your schedule? What's it's, what do you want it to be? What's it's and almost more than that, what does it need to be in order for you to maintain your own sanity and productivity? And I think you see that with developers all the time, right? Like I remember when I worked at an agency, developers would get really upset because they need the time to get into the groove and then hours to develop, right? But if you set meetings to talk about client work every half hour and it takes a half hour to get back into the groove, they could end up going a whole day without getting anything done. And I think part of it is understanding, well, what is your priority for the day? Is it to talk about client things or is it to get work done um, in, in that specific case? Yeah, and I think part of that comes from you know, it, it, it's a, it's the planning game. Like if you can, well, and what's the goal you're trying to achieve? Yeah. And I think in that developer case, or even I'm sure we've all experienced this as well. If you, how do I phrase this? At least I'll say what I try to do now is I try to stack meetings on particular days and make the other days free of meetings. And I have found doing that is way easier on my own sanity than trying to do like every day, like I have like a meeting here and a meeting there versus I know going into the day, like I don't have to feel bad about being behind on email on a meeting day. Cause I know it's a meeting day instead of, Oh, let me just get 10 minutes in here. Let me go back to the meeting over here. Then let me rush to the next thing. Um, Aaron, have you, like, do you kind of view it that way as well? Or do you try and stack in a certain way? Yeah. Uh, Afternoons are for for meetings, and in the morning, it's all production work, whether it's emails or prospective uh, calls with um, business partnerships with with designation. But I think we confuse putting yourself first with being selfish, because that's not really the case. I I know I did. Um, My production is important to the company, and I need to do what works for me. And I've found, I mean, if you look at the Jeff Bezos and the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, they're structuring the hell out of their day. And they're looking at it from a programmatic standpoint, how I can be the most productive and what works for me. Mm-hmm. And what works for you is what you need to do. And that's what's going to be you know, the most productive thing for not only you, but the company. And it's going to lead to happiness for you. And it's going to lead to, you know. Yeah. And we, I, we've kind of touched on this in, in episodes past, that idea that the, 
you know, the Zuckerbergs, the the Jeff, is it Bezos or Bezos? Bezos. 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 Jeff Bezos. Uh, Bezos. The Zuckerbergs. That came out really weird. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Zuckerbergs, the Bezoses of the world. and then But then even like the, the Chance the Rappers, the um, Jay-Zs, the, you know, Banksy. I mean, I don't know anything about Banksy, but pick an artist. Um, they're so disciplined in how they live their lives and what they, you know, like you may have like little Wayne rapping about like, you know, just like partying all the time, but he wouldn't be a famous successful rapper if that's actually what he was doing. Their days, like they know what they're doing on a given day. Like Drake has that line in one of his songs where he's like Friday night, everyone is out partying. I'm the one making the music that they're partying to. Um, that's, that's like the, you know, when we talk about like to your point before Martin about, how people are like, well, I just want to like do my own thing and just like do whatever I want, whenever I want. You can do that, but you will have zero money and you'll probably get really frustrated after like Mm -hmm. two months. (laughs) If you have some structure to it, if you have that discipline mindset, um, that's how you ultimately get to the point of like, you have to be like rigorous for a while. And then you get to the point of having that freedom, having that all right, well, now I can scale back a little bit. But I think a lot of people aren't willing to front load that work. Um, and I mean, that's something like we kind of learned as we went. I think there's rats running in the vents. <laughs> uh, that's something like we learned as we went. But it, it really is. It's like you hope that you're not going to be going at that pace forever. And I think if you set up the right systems, you won't be. But this idea or this just like a complete fallacy that you can just be happy when, you know, like, I just, I just want to do whatever I want. I just want to be able to go to lunch when I can and whatever. And like, yeah, there's a degree of that, but you have to realize, like, whatever you're saying yes to here is saying, well, I can't do the other thing as a result. It's about knowing your priorities. So, like, taking a step back, what are the things in our lives? And j- jump in. What are the things, what does putting yourself first mean to you? Good question. Aaron. So, uh, not ending up in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, health is health is super important. I think we all can agree on that. And doing what you, what you know, what is right for you. I'm not re- training for a marathon, but the ability to go to the gym 3 times a week, run a couple miles, lift a few weights, like that's that's something that I need to do and I, you know, would pass up in previous years. Um, but now I dedicate time to that. And whether it's in the morning or at night, I, I can't work out in the morning. I, a lot of people do that. We like to romanticize again, some of the business leaders that wake up and run 10 miles every morning and they've already done all their emails by 9 a.m. You gotta do what's, like, what's right for you. And for me, I, I work out after work. Um, I have a dog now, so taking care of the dog. And then, uh, and then, you know, family and friends. So making sure that you keep all of those things intact all, all the while being your best at work is kind of what I value. Yeah, I think for me, what it means, the, the question was, what does putting yourself first mean? Mm-hmm. Um, health is a big part of that. And I mean, we've talked about this before. Like I, but but even, even what I'll say with that is, you know, for the last almost two years, I've tried to do, make it a point to do yoga pretty much every day. And when that happens in the day is dependent on the day. Um, like there are some days where 
I'm like, yeah, I need to take a noon yoga class. I need to take, not teach, I need to take the class right now because that's what I, my body needs and my mind needs. But uh, even a, a new challenge I'm running up against is I've found that on days that I teach yoga, it's very hard to take a class that day as well because mm-hmm. then I'm committing like four total, like when you factor in going to the class and everything and travel time, I'm, I'm like losing like three to four hours of my day to yoga and I can't I, I, I really can't afford to do that so that's like my own like internal conflict I'm fighting right now but at the very least I know like um, I know that I try to put health at the forefront um, and I think it's you know you remember um, we had Sean uh, Sean Puri on the show from Blab and he phrased it in a way that I liked he talked about the the habitual questions that we need to ask ourselves. And he talked about how everyone needs to have this set of habitual questions they ask themselves. And what those questions are are different from person to person. But having that set of like larger overarching questions helps guide you and helps lead you and helps keep your head on straight and give you some sanity, especially when things aren't going as you expect. And that concept has stuck with me ever since we had that conversation. So to bring it back to the idea of putting yourself first, like that's part of it for me is am I still like able to answer those questions, the habitual questions, which for me, my two main questions are um, would high school me think what I'm doing right now is lame? And the other one is do I feel I am having the impact on others that I want to have? So if I'm still in alignment with, if I'm still able to answer those two things with good answers, then I feel like I'm putting myself first. How about you, Martin? For me, it comes down to a sense of balance and a sense of control. Um, Early on in my career and in my... Whoa. (laughs) Hit hit some buttons. Um, Early on in my career and in my life, I was very much a yes person. Uh, So I would just say yes to every happy hour, yes to every party, yes to every networking event, yes to every meeting, and it was overwhelming, and I ended up at a point where I would burn out on almost a weekly basis, uh, especially at one point when I was commuting four hours a day and had a side business, so I was just living on Red Bull. I had a 24-pack, or not Red Bull, 5-Hour Energies. I had a pack of 24 5-Hour Energies at my desk at all times, and that was terrible. That was just like, every day you never know what emotion you're going to feel, and so... Um, one of the things for me now is, you know, whether I'm working a ton when I was, you know, at Startup Institute and waking up at 5 a.m. and working on Friday nights and stuff like that, I still felt like I was in control of my work and I was in control of the things I was doing because I found them interesting and I was really excited about them. Um, and, and the events that I went to were the things that I wanted to be at. So I think that sense of control and then whatever the balance is for me in my life. Um, for me, it's, I don't, I don't have working out very high on my list. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, I'm aware of that, but I did just bring like, get a new like yoga mat so I could at least get stretching. Like, so I'm not going to pull a hammy. Cause you can't stretch without a yoga mat. No, on a wooden floor. (laughs) No, I got to keep some balance. Yeah. And so, um, there are just very little things that I think really help and routine, uh, has helped with balance. So having a morning routine that I stick to every single day, the, the breakfast I eat is the same every day. And I'm, 
there was a point that lunch and dinner was the same every day, and I enjoy that. I enjoy that consistency. I'm not Piece a of toast foodie. with egg in the middle. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm not. I'm not. I kind of crave routine and um, simplicity. And so if I have a sense of routine and simplicity, that gives me the balance. And if I'm working on things that I've chosen to work on, no matter how you know much time they might take, that is at least a sense of control. And so as long as I have those two things, I feel pretty good about my days. Yeah, the routine is an important aspect. Um, I was actually, I was talking this morning to uh, Emily Drake, who we've had on the show before, the CEO at Flank 5 Academy. Do you know her? Yep. Okay. So we had a really good just like catch up meeting this morning because we haven't talked to each other in a while. And one of the things she was asking me, like, you know, like, how's the my new consulting thing going? I was like, yeah, it's off to a good start. Like, I've got some meetings. It's going well. Um, I'm optimistic about it. But actually, she asked me, the question was, it wasn't that. The question was, she asked, what did I, like, learn about myself from having a knee injury this past summer slash fall? Um, I was in a leg brace for a month where, like, I couldn't, like, I could only walk with one straight leg, and it was annoying, you know, and everything from having surgery. So what I told her was that injury, what it helped me realize was that so like right after I had the surgery, I felt like I still had to be in go mode and I was like laid up like I had like needed to like lay down for a couple days, but I still had like laptop open and I was like trying to do things and I was super tired because like the drugs from the surgery hadn't worn off yet and it took like three days or more than that for that to, for it to wear off and I just attributed it to like no I'm just like I'm being a pussy like I need to I need to power through this. I'm better than this. And then like, I realized I was like, wait, no, this is like a physiological thing that I can't fight. Like I had surgery and the medicine from it has not worn off yet. So what that kind of taught me or what I realized, out you of can't that, just think yourself healthy. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, what I took away out of that was I can step away for a certain number of hours and that can be okay. Like one day a week, I'll just stay at home and work. And that's usually like just naturally, like that's the lazier day of the week. And I'll find like any of those times when I'm at home, I will have a point around like 1.30, 2 o'clock where I'll just get tired and I'll be like, kind of feel like just like watching something on TV, like watching Shark Tank and dozing off. And instead of fighting it and then continuing to try to work while tired and then ending up just like clicking from browser tab to browser tab, thinking that I'm doing work, but not actually doing anything. I'll just be like, screw it. Why don't I just like lay down for an hour, throw on an episode of Shark Tank, probably learn something in the process and like fall asleep. And I'm, I've been doing that on those days that I'll stay home if, if I feel the need to. And then I'll wake up and be like, all right, I'm pretty refreshed now. And then the next couple hours, I'll just like bang out with like more focus. Right. I think uh, I'm in agreement with Martin when it comes to learning to say no. Um, I met with a few mentors during the hospitalization month um, and said, you know, I'm in over my head. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm feeling depressed. And I was saying yes to everyone, every organization that asked me to get involved, every advisory role, everything. I, was do I thought mm -hmm. I was doing everything I could for designation. And in the end, I was pulling myself too thin. Um, and learning to say no was was what the definition of what does it mean to put yourself first is mm -hmm. 
actually asking myself, do I want to do this? Can I do this and do it with, you know, 100% uh, involvement and, and effort? And being able to say no has been pretty empowering uh, since then. Um, what am I, a year since that date? So as long as you're able to take a look at every decision you make and say, is this going to benefit the things that I care about? Um, you know, that's that's the important habit that I've tried to form in, in my day to day. Yeah. And be realistic about the value that those things actually bring. I think a lot of yeah. stuff that we get involved in feels good without actually bringing tons of value. And so I've noticed a lot of the things that I've said no to over the years, and this is something I've been working on since I was 20, 23, 24, just like cutting things out. And like, I remember the first day I stayed home on a Friday and told everyone no. And like, after doing that for a few months, people stopped calling. And then I like had a panic attack that no one wanted to hang out. And I was like, oh God, I've got no friends. They're still and, there. They'll take yeah. you back. <laughs> oh, totally. And yeah, and that was when I was 24. And I just remember like sitting at home and like I got really close to this like panic attack because I think a lot of it is just pressure we put on ourselves, not even other people. Like the, they're like, we don't care. Like if you need a night to like hang out, that's cool. Um, and once I realized like, oh, wait, no, this is good. I get to like read a book and go to bed at 10 o'clock. This is, this is sweet. And like, that was just a moment for me where it's like saying no and realizing that the world doesn't stop because those things weren't bringing the value that you wanted in life at that time. Um, I think, I think all of us in this room were 22, 23 hitting networking events, like just trying to figure things out. Um, and once like my first startup got traction you know, everything's exciting and these opportunities come at you and you start saying yes to everything. You're like, this is so cool. People want me to be involved with them. Um, and then you hit, I think everyone hits that transition phase where you're like, okay, I don't have the wherewithal or the time to put myself through all of these different organizations and opportunities and, you know, take care of myself. So saying no and prioritizing, it kind of slams you right in the face um, and you have to figure out what, you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. And you really have to know yourself because like not what, and that's why I think that question, like what does it mean to you is so interesting because for some people going to networking events energizes them. Like being in a room of a hundred people, they, they won't sleep that night because they're so excited. Whereas like I'll get home and face plant. Right. And like, <laughs> but if I'm sitting with three people for an evening, then I'll be up all night. Like then I can't fall asleep because I'm so excited. And so I think. But is that a good thing if you're up all night? No, I mean, it depends. Uh, <laughs> it depends on how good that conversation was. But um, the, the I think the thing is is that we look at other people like Steve Jobs or like you know all these people that we mentioned earlier, and we try to emulate what works for them for ourselves without realizing that they're a different personality type or they have different things that energize them. Or, people. <laughs> or we're not seeing the whole story. We've got all these YouTubers, right? We're not seeing the bad stuff, right? And realizing that to emulate, to cherry pick emulate um, might lead to very different outcomes for you. If, yep. if you're not an extrovert and you're trying to be an extrovert, um, you could wear yourself out real quick. Well, and Steve Jobs is a classic example of not putting yourself, like not putting yourself first. Like he overworked himself to the point of, death and that was like he was working he was also sick but no but like what led to that he was working 18 hour days he wasn't eating properly like he was working at apple in the morning and then driving down the street to pixar to work there at night well again the definition of uh putting yourself first he might have been putting himself first that was what he cared about and he was feeding this 
um, I think it was I think it was Howard Tolman. Um, he said he still to this day doesn't know exactly what um, fueled Steve Jobs, and I think that was a mystery. But um, perhaps he was though. Maybe he was feeding some mm-hmm. sort of ego or some sort of um, you know insatiable need to put computers in everybody's face. Or I don't know what it is. Yeah. I like this because it gets deeper than what. The, you know, the surface is eat right, work out, right. Uh, say no to meetings. And then like below it, it's like, what really are you trying to get to? <laughs> are you trying to feed your ego? Are you trying to just not feel bad about the things that you're putting out in the world? Like, what is it that really is is the thing being fed at the end of the day? Yeah. And uh, that concept of like the saying no, like that's a huge part of this is knowing what to say no to. And you're right. Like we all have to go through that to say yes to everything to figure out what do you then be like, okay, I can't, I cannot, I know I don't need to be this or be with that person or whatever. And I can, I know my yes pyramid and I know my no pit. Um, the visuals. <laughs> <laughs> and, Part of that as well, and this comes back to, I mean, we were having that on our previous episode with Todd Connor, we were talking about like partnerships, right? And how do you find the right partnerships? A lot of that as well came down to knowing what to say no to. And to this point, like Aaron, like what you, you've experienced with your business and whatnot, I, I, I truly think it only comes with experience. And I mean, hell, we're all still pretty young, so we don't even have like experience that other people have. But what... You were saying, Martin, it feels good, right? People people want you at first. And it's like, wow, that's really, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and I want to replicate that as much as possible. But then you want the right people to want you. Not everyone should want you. And you should be able to say, and, and, this is, and that's more of how you're able to put yourself first. And not only like just be more successful overall is be like, no, I I'm not going to that or I don't do that thing. Like one of, one of my biggest just like small like personal fist bump wins was I was in a uh, prospective client meeting the other week and they asked me, I was just like trying to get a feel for their business. So I was like, do you guys have a newsletter as a business? And they said, no, is that something you do? And I thought for like half a second and I said, no, I don't. I know people who do and I can refer you to content marketing agencies, but that's not, I'm not, I don't do content marketing. And I felt like so just internally, I felt so good saying that because former me, even like six months ago, me with Idea Lemon, mm-hmm. I would have been like, yeah, we can do that. And we did. I mean, we did have meetings with Idea Lemon. Just because you can go on a date doesn't mean you should go exactly. on a date. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And there, that's that can, sh- that's probably a good way to phrase it, right? The can versus should is a good way to be thinking about that. And I, I just, I know I personally was like, yes. I told them I don't do that. <laughs> and it actually, it forces you to focus on the things you like and that you're good at. And at the same time, I think it builds a stronger case for yourself as as a business person in, the, in that particular instance because they know, all right, this is exactly what I need to go to this person for. Like, like designation, you mm-hmm. guys, we were having this talk, Aaron, when we met the other week. Mm-hmm. You guys focus on UX design, Correct. Right, UX, UI, design. Sorry, yeah. UX, UI, yeah. Design is what you focus mm-hmm. on. And what you're able to do with that focus is be the go-to for aspiring designers. They aren't, it's not like, well, yeah, you do this and then you also have eight well, other offerings. Well, compare it to the sales message of the bootcamp that I was working with where, you know, we have sales, marketing, 
front end and back end. Who am I talking to today? Yeah. Uh, that's a big question, right? And and like I can see instances where it can work, but like if someone was deciding between designation and where you used to work, Martin, it's like, well, assuming they have the time to dedicate, of course they're going to go to designation because you're the you're the experts in that, and you. As not... course report has recently stated, <laughs> <laughs> and and like like it's like they're not messing around. Like I know I'm going to get the best out of them because that's what like that's all they focus on. Yeah, product or service focus um, and branding yourself as such is super important. Um, again, putting yourself first, putting you know one product first, putting what that focus is allows people when they refer you know Rajiv, you should go to him for you know brand communications. That's what he does. And that's, yes. that's the only referrals you get. And you're not going to waste time. You're not going to waste overhead vetting clients that yeah. aren't exactly in the scope of business that you do. So I think it's really important to find that area of focus. Now, if you do it really, really well over time, maybe you do add, you know, ancillary services that you offer. Right. I, I think too, it's, um, I think over time, what you'll, what you get better at, not only is the saying no, but the vetting process of others and this comes back a little bit to that episode that we did with Todd Connor, but um, I know, and I, uh, Aaron and Martin, let me know if you did this as well yourselves, but I used to just do a lot of, oh yeah, you want to meet? Like, yeah, let's meet. I'm sure an idea will come out of this. Um, and then it's like, oh, why did I, why did I take that meeting? It mm-hmm. makes no sense that we had that. I don't even know why we met in the first place. Uh, like I remember like this was maybe like two years ago, someone pitched me on Amway. Oh, I got so many and, Amway things. You know, and like I would always, it, it start because it starts with like a Facebook message, like "Hey, I'd love I to just talk wish to you about they this idea. would say what it was. They just beat around the bush yes, so, hard. so hard. I have a bunch of friends that got sucked into that in high school as sales reps for Amway type products. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't go garages well. full but, of toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like getting emails from them, like million dollar opportunity, Aaron, you're gonna be a millionaire yeah. in like you know six months, nope. and you know. They they bought it, and I was, I don't want to say smart enough, but I asked my dad, I'm like, what is, yeah. <laughs> this seems too good to be true. And he's mm-hmm. like, I am proud of you. He goes, if it's too good to be true, it, it is. usually is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had the exact yeah. same thing. And, and the worst is like when it is given to you in such a way that you're like, oh, it's just like a networking thing. Okay. Like I remember I went, I had to like borrow a car to get there. And then I like literally as I walked through the door, I went, Oh no. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be cuz like getting out of here is just going to be so tough. And like I just had to sit there and almost make it like entertaining to just watch people. Like I just people watched the whole time just been like, wow, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I brought up that because it was fresh in my mind cuz like just yesterday someone who I met in passing like like while walking down the street we both happened to like comment on like the same whatever street performance that was going on. So we just kept walking and talking. Hey, um, Emily. Hey, no, hey no, no, no. He, he didn't say anything about it then. <laughs> yeah. That's a good drummer. And then he was, a like, good drummer. he was like, Hey, do you have a card on you? <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. Um, and he didn't have one on him either. He was like, Oh, yeah, I'll just exchange numbers and we can maybe connect with them. I was like, all right, fine. So then I didn't, I actually didn't save the number, but then I got the call from it yesterday and I picked up and he was like, Hey, remember we met? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, um, have I got something for you? <laughs> Close to that. He said, hey, I had this idea I wanted to run by you. Um, uh, I'd love to like sit down and talk with you about it because it's hard to explain over the phone. And just disclaimer, 
a business should not be hard to explain I, over the phone. <laughs> I, I get this once a week. You know, if you gain any traction with a startup, you have a lot of people that look to you as thought experts, which I'm not, you know, or whatever, industry expert. And it's always like, if you can't explain it to me over email or by the phone, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not going to meet. I'm, I won't meet with you. Why don't you take a second and come up with a well thought out way to to say it and communicate it to me. And then I'd, I'd be happy to ask more questions and learn more about your idea. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, no, I can't meet. And I, you know, I had a feeling when I was like, all right, let me just give, I, I was like, I have two minutes until I'm, I can get into my Uber. I can talk right now. And then he talks for like 45 seconds. And I just go at the end and he, and he didn't say Amway in the conversation. I said, my response was, is this Amway? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you've heard of us. Are you are you part of the team already? I was like, no, I'm not, but I know I'm familiar with what it is. And his original, qu- and then I was just like, all right, how do I how do wow. I get out of this as quick as possible? His original question was something like, like as he launched into his pitch, was like, are you looking to add new streams of income? And then I just by the end, I said, is it Amway? He said, yeah. I said, I said, I'm not looking to add any new streams of income. He's like, all right, well, you know, if you, if you ever change your, I was like, okay, good, clink, bye. Mm-hmm. And that's an instance where I'm like, again, like a couple of years ago, someone like reached out to me through a Facebook message and was like, hey, thought you might want to talk about an idea. And I'm like, oh, okay, I like ideas. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah. And I actually like took that like, you know, like Our go to meeting name with them. is idea. Let's talk about ideas. Yeah. Or, and, and by the way, this uh, podcast is brought to you by Amway. The, what was it? Uh, it's a constant fight though. Like, it's not like I have the switch turn and I'm always good at it. Like uh, Martin, we both know the same person who's, building a company who we just do not agree at all with the principles for why that company should exist and don't think it's going to be successful I at all. I just don't understand it. And I hope to God like that he proves us wrong and somehow it's a smashing success, but I just don't see it happening. And he reached out to me through email and was like, hey, would love to sit down with you and pick your brain. Like, I absolutely hate when people ask to pick brain. Um, it's just like... <sighs> it's a zombie yeah. culture, man. <laughs> and... <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I was late, but I got it. <laughs> As with all the jokes I tell, your response is, oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he reached out and he was like, hey, I want to talk about you know my, my company and, I, and get your opinion and bounce some ideas off you and pick your brain. And I did like one round of vetting and I said, uh, hey, like, why do you want to meet with me specifically? And what do you want to talk about? And then he replied, just like complimenting me really nicely. <laughs> and he was like, hey, like, I really value your opinion. You're a thought leader in this space, et cetera. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Going back to what is it that we're trying to feed? Is yeah, it and it was, right? It was. <laughs> well, and and then we met and then we spent an hour and I kept telling him, have you thought about this? And I kept saying, you're going to hit a roadblock with this. And he kept ignoring that advice. And by the end of the hour, I was just like, I mean, it was like a cordial ending. And then when he left, I was like, why did I say yes to that? I should have yep. said no. Yeah. Learning to say to say no is, is really important, even with cold emails or the person you bump into the train. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're starting your own business, those questions are constantly going to come up. And you sometimes you just don't even need to respond. I don't know if that's rude, but, you know, if you get enough of them, sometimes I'm just like, you're not... 
you're not bringing me an idea with any background and why you want to talk to me. You can't just use my time. So I think especially in Chicago, in the Midwest, um, cause I, I talk to people who are from New York, like, uh, this one guy, <laughs> he comes in, he's like, why the F is everyone in this city polite? It's driving me crazy. What is wrong with you people? Just tell each other that they're failing so that they can move on to the next thing. And I was like, I love this guy. Um, and one of the things... Cold-hearted. <laughs> yeah. But I was talking with this uh, with someone about this yesterday where they're like... Or sorry, earlier today. And they were, they were saying um, they really disliked sales. Not because they disliked meeting people and selling, but no one would give them a no. Like they would try and they would have a meeting, sit down and the person would just say, yeah, yeah, let me get back to you in a few weeks, like follow up with some stuff. They'd follow up and then like five months would pass and they'd keep like trying to do this. And it's like, the person's like, oh, it's just not the right time. Just say no. And like, it's a gift. A no is a gift. And I remember like someone, I asked someone on a date and I, and we had like two canceled attempts. And then finally they were like, no, I just, I just don't think we should date. And I was like, thank you. Now I can stop obsessing over every text and I can move on and we can be friends now. And like, you were there for that. You saw that whole thing go down. And oh like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I like, and I actually met this person for coffee later. And I was like, that no was the greatest thing you could have done. Cause I got to go back to my life and like stop obsessing. It's a huge time saver. I wish everyone had more power to say no. So let me ask you, Aaron, as someone, and I, I'm asking this from a um, what can I learn perspective. I mean, the whole thing is what can I learn, but in specifically, I am, I am in a, I am a salesperson because I have to sell my own consulting stuff, right? So when you're getting emails from people, what is it that's making you say no versus what is it that in a sales email is getting you to say maybe I should give that person a shot? Be careful, people will start sending you sales emails. <laughs> yeah. Um, ba- for example, I get a lot of emails that um, you know we're a design um, we're a design firm. We're not a design firm. We train people. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone's a startup trying to sell me software that does something, um, you know, a recruiting platform or whatever the hell you know startup you know is cold emailing me about using their services, I'll. I'll take a quick look at it. And if we have a need, um, I'll, I'll follow up and schedule a call with them because I've been in those shoes before. But if you, if you, uh, direct your email and communicate to me without even knowing what type of business I am, nothing, you're not getting, you're not getting an answer out of me. Um, I might just respond unsubscribe, even if there's, if there's not an unsubscribe button, like just (laughs) because I, there's this one, you reply and say unsubscribe in all caps. (laughs) Just send that to a group text. Unsubscribe. (laughs) (laughs) But like, People need to do, you know, their homework if you're going to try to cold email me. And I get the same one from this one company. I won't name it. <laughs> and I responded today, unsubscribe, because there's no unsubscribe button. I'm just getting the same cold email from the same person. And, you know, you, I admire their persistence, but it's like, I'm not a development agency outsourcing to India. So <laughs> could you please just look at my website and read the first line and figure that out before you email me? Um, so I wish, you know, that industry... I understand the hustle and you don't mm-hmm. have any leads or clients, but I think if you do your homework, um, you'll get a response, especially from, you know, a CEO of a startup, uh, like myself, that's been there. Um, the, the empathy is there. I'm going to give you a response like, Hey, the recruiting platform looks great. I would focus here. Like I'll give my one, you know, one sentence, two sentence 
piece of advice or, hey, we're, we only hire, you know, three people a year. We don't need a platform right now, but visit us next year because we might raise, you know, a venture capital round and we're going to be hiring a lot of people. That type of stuff, I think, is, you know, a good way to approach the world. Just but the people that come out like off the wall with some service that doesn't apply to my business <laughs> is, is quite frustrating. Do you remember, Martin, like a year ago, that dude who kept emailing us about like the prince on from some... Nigeria? No. <laughs> Uh, someone who kept emailing us, like wanting to take on like some like of our like online marketing work or something like that, and he just kept emailing him. Like we were like, no, and it it, it was the same thing. It was like not paying attention to mm-hmm. anything we were actually doing, just saying, "Hey, I have this shiny object over here. You need to be paying attention to it. Why aren't you paying attention to it? Play it to peace. Play attention to it." Yep. And it's like those are the. I hope I'm not doing that to people. <laughs> yeah. One, uh, actually, you've heard of Northwestern Mutual, right? Mm-hmm. Like the insurance slash finance. So I finally answered an email from one of them. And I went to their meeting. And they're really nice. And they added a ton of value. Like, you know, what are you doing with your investments? What are your financial goals? Do you have a life insurance policy? Things I've never thought about before. Mm-hmm. Um, but something I thought that was really interesting, at the end of the meeting, they said, do you have like two or three people that you would give us introductions to emails that aren't, you know, doing any financial planning or making, you know, uh, over $60,000 a year that you could introduce us to? And we won't email anyone unless you say it's okay. And this is a practice and they've been around for 150 years. It's been around for 150 years. And I thought that was such a cool way to source leads. It's, you know, we've gotten to know each other, whether you use us or not, let us know, but we'd love to sit down with anyone. We're just going to continue to add value to people. And then mm-hmm. if they trickle in, um, yeah, you know, I recommend, I, I have a policy with them. I recommend them. And yeah. That person's awesome. Yeah. Like I was just telling you the other day, Martin, how this podcast is. Brought you <laughs> <Northwestern> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we don't get too far into what they are as a business, but yeah, I think they have a good, I think they're very good about like not forcing it upon you mm-hmm. and being like, Hey, this is, yeah how we see you could operate within us. Yeah. I have him. this information to walk away with at the very least. Yeah. I asked him how long has this practice been around? Because I, I, I thought it was such a unique way. And they're like, I think since we started that both of them looked at each other and I was <laughs> like, this is, might be the reason why you guys have been around for yeah. Yeah. years. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And I think it's like remembering that people are people and not machines and also ourselves. Like I'm not a robot. I can't, as much as I want to drink those five-hour energies back in the day and keep going, I need to go shut down and plug into the wall, right? And so, like, just realizing that the world isn't full of androids, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. is helpful. No, it's full of Apple. I I was mm. a robot. At, at that age, like, just two years ago, like, you are, you are kind of a robot. I'm not thinking. I have no emotions. I'm just answering <laughs> emails. I'm going to meetings. I'm just going full force ahead, not thinking about myself. So um, it actually, you are a robot in your early 20s when Mm -hmm. you have that kind of energy and you can, you know, go without. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I can't do anything anymore. (laughs) All right, we need to wrap up. I hope my parents move and I can't move my shoulders anymore. (laughs) We need to to wrap up. Before we do, Aaron, let our listeners know uh, what you're working on and where they can find you. Sure. So um, I am a co-founder and CEO of Designation Labs. We're based out of 1871 here in Chicago. We are a UX, UI, um, but digital design focused program. We have both online and in-person offerings. Um, if you're interested, check us out at designation.io. You can, um, we have a course for anyone, whether you're a beginner or an advanced learner. 
Um, and also you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is A-A-R-O-N-F-A-Z, Aaron Faz. And my email is Aaron at designation.io. Do not email me with your software business that... <laughs> Unless you're a prince. <laughs> if you got a great timeshare offer, though, hit him up. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> All right. So then to wrap up, we'll go one by one, giving our respective answer to the question. Today, today's question based on the conversation we just had, starting with Martin. Martin, how do you put yourself first? I really love the idea of finding out what is driving you and working toward it. And that could be different for each person. So like we said, like Steve Jobs, we don't know what drove him, but he seemed to really go after it, right? Um, and not everyone is going to have the same drive. And so I did a uh, um, a panel the other night and a lot of the, I moderated it. And a lot of the answers that came out of the panel were very different than the ethos that's out in the entrepreneurship world right now. Well, and I put air quotes around that. I guess I'll let the podcasters know. Um, <laughs> and so um, everyone on the panel pretty much said, um, don't chase the thing, the don't chase love in your work, chase like, and then work really hard at the things that you like and make time for family and friends and hobbies and things like that. So don't try and get all of your fulfillment from one thing because you're going to drive yourself in circles and drive yourself nuts. And I think that that was really good advice for that room because it was a room full of people who wanted to quit their jobs and go be entrepreneurs. And just knowing that like there's once you hit 35, you know, and, and that steam starts, you know, slowing down, you're going to need other things that fulfill you. And so knowing what drives you and knowing what that like inner urge is, I think is extremely helpful so that you don't chase someone else's. So like I'm not Casey Neistat. So if I'm doing what he's doing, it's probably not going to fulfill me the way it fulfills him. Selling for 25 million to CNN. You know, I wouldn't mind that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My answer for how do you put yourself first? I think it comes back to um, what a bulk of our conversation was, which was figure out what to say no to. When you do that, that that is the act, I think, of of putting yourself first. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, how do you put yourself first? Uh, I think there's two steps. I mean, first step would be um, figure out what matters to you. and then being able to say no. So for me, it was, it wasn't money or it wasn't, uh, you know, ego and, and being in, you know, major publications and everyone knowing that I'm a CEO of a company. It was working in a team because I play in team sports when I was in high school. And that was the thing I kind of missed was camaraderie and working late and just working towards a goal. So I found that that was something that was important to me. And now we're pushing as a culture to be more team oriented. Um, The next step is, uh, I I think this one quote applies here. Um, It's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. So I was still putting, so I was still putting, um, you know, the entrepreneur last, putting myself last, but I started blocking out time for the gym, for family, for the dog. And slowly I started to say, okay, it is important to me because I was acting my way into this way of thinking that these core values to me, I'm going to make time for them in my schedule. So make sure that, you know, you can't always think your way into a new way of acting, but you can force yourself to block time. I love it. Yeah. Aaron Fazulek. 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 It, it changed, I think, three times uh, <laughs> when we got off at Ellis Island. So 
<laughs> I'm throwing it back to Elizabeth. Aaron Fashulak, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. It was right, awesome. Yeah. That wrapped up our conversation with Aaron Fajulak. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your personal story, and exploring that concept that I think not enough of us think about, or act upon rather, enough, and that is really that idea of putting yourself first. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes, as well as subscribing to this show on whatever platform it is you listen to, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or the various other podcasting platforms you can find this show. Ratings and reviews and subscriptions help more people find the show. Therefore, more people get to discover their inner awesome. I cannot overstate enough how helpful those ratings and reviews and subscriptions are. For full show notes, references, and resources, as well as Aaron's contact information, you can find it all at www.discoveryourinnerawesome. That's our new website for the show. New episodes continue every single Monday, but that'll do it for this one. Thank you again to Aaron Fajulak for joining us. For Martin McGovern, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today. I'm on-